Welcome to David Clark's We Are Superman podcast, episode number 202. I am your host, Bill Stahl, and this is The Power Play. Thank you for joining me again on The Power Play. I apologize for my voice. I'm on the tail end of a cold that I've had all week, um, ever since I got back from Boston and the Frozen Four. A little parting gift from those folks in Boston, I'm sure, to this New York Yankees fan is this cold that they gave me. So um, just just on the tail end of this and uh, dealing with all the wind and cold here in Colorado this week, being outside a lot of track meets, um, definitely uh, still still feeling it. So sorry, my voice is a, a little nasally here still. But um, hey, before I get into this episode, I just want to uh, point out a couple things that have happened this week. Uh, <coughs> excuse me, I'm going to be coughing a lot here probably. Robbie Ballinger, uh, I hope you followed this amazing feat that this guy pulled off this past week. He was in a, a quest to outrun a Tesla. So down in Austin, Texas, where they make most of the Teslas, uh, they drove a Tesla until on, on a full charge, and they drove it till it ran out of charge, out of juice. It made it 242 miles before it died. And then Robbie attempted to run it down, basically, over the next 72 hours, uh, running nonstop through the day and night. And I'll tell you, it was brutally hot during the day from what he was describing, uh, mid-90s and humid. And, um, I mean, Robbie's a beast as it is. I mean, he he lives in Salida, Colorado now, having moved from Denver recently. Uh, Salida's up, oh, probably about 30, 40 miles from, from Leadville, I think, maybe not that far. Um, up there and a little more elevation there. I think slide is probably seven or 8,000 feet. And I know during March he ran like 20 miles every single day. So he was uh, down there, uh, in, you know, in great uh, shape to outrun this Tesla. He had some great crew around him, everything from his wife to uh, Hella Sadipe was down there with him. And um, he, he made it, uh, he made the 242 miles not within the time he hoped, not within 72 hours, but you know what? He didn't quit, even though he knew he wasn't going to make it in the time he hoped, running through day and night. Uh, I think it took him something like 76 hours, but hey, still, the dude ran 76 hours pretty much nonstop in the heat and uh, just, you know, obviously tough, tough conditions down there in Texas to outrun the Tesla. So uh, amazing. I hope you followed that. It's a pretty amazing feat what Robbie was pulling off there. And then second thing I want to mention is tomorrow, uh, well, tomorrow from when I'm recording today, uh, when this episode is releasing, is the Boston Marathon. So if you're listening early, uh, definitely tune in. The, the race starts uh, Patriots Day in Boston, uh, which is the tradition. And it's a day off there. And uh, Brian Reynolds, who was on this uh, podcast here just a few weeks ago, he is the guy who had uh, has both legs amputated when he was quite young due to meningitis. Uh, he is running, and he will be running on his blades. He's being paced by um, uh, Mike Wardian, a great ultra runner there, who um, you know, one of the most amazing guys uh, in in running today, as far as I'm concerned. But uh, Brian will be running the Boston Marathon, hopefully doing great there. And you probably know other people. Uh, Scott Fauble, I believe, is running. Uh, Scott is somebody I know from when he was a high school student here in Wheat Ridge, Colorado, and um, has been has had a great career as a professional runner. And uh, I believe he's running in Boston again this year. And um, you know, there will be all sorts of great stories there. So hope you had a chance 
to check out the Boston Marathon. Um, I was just on that course uh, last week when I was in Boston. So we had the day off between games and I went and visited Boylston Street and, you know, I'd kind of watch them setting everything up. It's kind of interesting. I'd, I'd run the Boston Marathon twice before back in 1985 and 1990, two of the hottest years they've had, of course, my, my luck. And it was kind of interesting watching them setting up all the bleachers and everything else that's going to be going on around the finish line, the stuff that you see on TV. Uh, Lex, it was kind of interesting watching them setting all that up and, uh, you know, just stood right by the finish line there, which still needed to be painted. Um, it was uh, it was there, but it was pretty worn off from traffic over the last year. So I'm sure they have repainted it by now. And um, it was just cool. Uh, Boston really, really uh, puts it on for, for the marathon. I, I was impressed, you know, even though I was there a week beforehand, uh, they really had, you know, those posters on the, on the light poles and um, things on the sides of walls. And, and, and you know, just, it, it, it was, they were doing it up. So um, the stuff that you see on marathon day, which uh, like I say, I've gotten to enjoy a couple times. It's kind of cool watching it all kind of going up. So um, good luck to everybody running that Boston marathon. And, um, for this episode, I actually had a whole different name for the episode originally, but I happened to be listening to uh, the Springsteen channel on Sirius XM today. There, there, there's a real big surprise, and I heard his uh, song Leap of Faith, and I thought that is actually a good title for this episode as well. So um, in the song, Springsteen says, it takes a leap of faith to get things going. It takes a leap of faith. You got to show some guts. It takes a leap of faith to get things going. Yeah, in your heart, baby, you must trust. And, uh, you know, great lines right there. I was going to relate that to some of the experiences that I have had, uh, you know, recent, a lot of people have made comments to me about all the traveling and stuff, such I've done. It's kind of become part of my um, MO, if you would, lately. Uh, just, I've kind of taken this attitude that I am going to experience things as much as I can. And some of it has taken a leap of faith. Um, a lot of this comes from, um, I, I've seen people who, uh, you know, as they get older, they've missed the opportunities to do a lot of things they wanted to do. And I know I was one of those. When I had my youth sports business, it was basically a seven-day-a-week job for months at a time. I would not have a day off. In fact, when I first started that business, um, you know, when you're a new business, the owner's got to really get involved. I mean, I I, I did everything in the business, um, probably not the way you should. I mean, if you are a good business person, you're going to work on your business, not in your business. That's actually maybe a subject for a whole different podcast episode. Um, but I was in the business. I was doing everything from bringing flyers to schools and to businesses about my uh, youth sports programs. Um, I, I was the guy out there doing all that nitty gritty stuff. And that stuff takes a lot of time, kind of stuff that, you know, when you look at in your analysis, you say, you know what, I can hire somebody for 10 or $15 an hour to do that same stuff because my, my time is actually worth a lot more. But initially I was working in the business. I didn't take a vacation for like four years till I finally forced myself to take one, um, you know, other than just, you know, visiting family at holidays and things like that. So um, I, I've got some friends, you know, I, I've seen these things. Um, I've, I've talked before about my friend, Paul Bradley, who kind of got me started on the whole idea about how to be positive. He, he's my friend who, um, he, he died of pancreatic cancer at the age of 60. And, uh, I spoke with him about three weeks before he passed away and he was totally upbeat. And, um, you, you know, he, it was really amazing how he had this great attitude. He said, you know, it doesn't pay to have a bad attitude, so you might as well have a good one. And it took me years to figure that one out, but it, it always, you know, 
pained me to think that here's uh, Paul who was getting towards retirement and never got to enjoy any of it. Um, I've got another friend who um, she retired and um, they had a retirement party for her. And the very next morning, her husband woke up with stomach pains and turns out pancreatic cancer and he was gone within four months. And so, you know, they had all these plans for what they were going to do in retirement and they were literally at the finish line, ready to go. And it never happened. Um, I got another good friend uh, who, I mean, one of my best friends in the world, he has been a teacher his whole life at the same school for more than 40 years. And he's 65, and I don't know when he planned to retire, but certainly uh, he, he certainly uh, deserved a great retirement. And he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer back in August. Now, in his case, he's actually doing great. Uh, he's going through a lot of chemo, and uh, you know he goes through all the scans and everything. It's, it's tough stuff. But here we are um, eight months later. And he's still doing pretty well, which, you know, is not common when you get diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer. But, um, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully he's one of the very few that happened to beat that particular very grim diagnosis of, of cancer. So, uh, but nevertheless, my, my attitude again goes to the fact that like, I, it's just, it's terrible. I mean, I don't want to go my whole life working my tail off and I'm involved in so many things, whether it's uh, coaching adults, coaching kids, uh, being a track official, doing book proofreading, um, you know, working with people all over. Um, I'm, I'm just involved in tons of stuff. I hate to be one of those people who suddenly look up and it's like, oh crap, I didn't do anything I wanted to do and it's over. So, uh, you know, in the past year, you've heard me talk about trips I've taken and a lot of them have taken a leap of faith. Um, you know, back in November, I went down to Ecuador and um, it was – uh, you know, kind of a, a little bit of a risk that, hey, am I going to be able to run at this kind of altitude, running up a, down volcanoes out there? And, um, you know, even coming from the elevation of Colorado, uh, you know, running down there, you know, 13, 14, 15, 16,000 feet is going to be a definite challenge. So it took a little bit of a leap of faith to believe that, yeah, I, I can handle this. And uh, the other point I was going to make along those lines, too, is I also took advantage of a situation. So, as you all well know, we've been going through this uh, pandemic, and it really changed the whole face of travel. And so there's a little bit of a leap of faith that you could book a trip, and it's going to happen. But taking advantage of a situation, too, of the fact that the airfare was dirt cheap. Um, I used airline miles to go down there and took uh, my travel friend, Jack. We went down there, and believe it or not, our airline tickets were something like 30, 30, 32,000 something miles round trip. Um, you know, equivalent of, I don't know, $300 or something like that for a round trip ticket to South America, which, um, again, took advantage of a situation that things were just dirt, dirt cheap at the time. Uh, the other trip I took was to, or one of the other trips I took was to Europe. Uh, as you heard, I went to Germany and Switzerland and uh, kind of dipped my toe into the French Alps and touched even into the Netherlands and Belgium a little bit, but mostly Germany and Switzerland. And this was the first time I realized I ever took a trip, you know, major trip like this with absolutely nothing scripted. You know, there was no tour. There was no, um, nothing. Um, basically I went over there to go visit, um, a guy who I, I've coached. Uh, he was first an exchange student in high school that I knew, and then uh, I worked with him. He's an MMA fighter over in Germany, and he and his uh, and a friend of his, also uh, another fighter who I've worked with coaching, uh, went over there and spent a week with him. And 
um, again, took advantage of the situation. The airfare, again, dirt cheap. Uh, my, my round trip miles were about the same as the trip to South America. I mean, like I say, the equivalent of little over $300 round trip airfare. So it's like, how could you not do that? So I uh, definitely wanted to, to experience that. It just made a lot of sense to me at the time, being able to take cheap airfare, have a place to stay. And, um, but again, it was a little bit of a leap of faith, like, okay, what am I going to do once I got there? And um, the second week I was there, I stayed with a friend of mine who lives in Geneva, Switzerland. Um, same kind of thing. Um, I was going to be able to go really cheap, basically, because a place like Geneva is insanely expensive. It would have cost me a ton to stay in a hotel there. And um, as it was, I was kind of on my own. My friend was working uh, during the day a lot. So I had to um, figure out like the transit system in Switzerland. And you know, one thing I found out very quickly is um, they don't actually speak a lot of English there. Um, you know, we always think that Europeans speak English. Well, Switzerland already has four official languages. There's no room for English because they already speak uh, officially German, French, Italian, and something called Romance, which I have no idea who speaks that. But um, so I was in the western part of Switzerland in Geneva that has uh, that where they speak French. And so um, yeah, I'm sitting there trying to figure out the transit system and talking to people who really didn't speak English. They were, they were French and had, had to figure out everything, you know, go, go to attractions and whatnot. It was a bit of a challenge, but, you know, just had to have faith. You had to believe everything was going to work out. Um, as you heard, I had my passport, my wallet, my vaccination card stolen. Uh, it was in a backpack that was in the back of my friend's car in the French Alps and the car got broken into and they took all that and um, that's another thing I would have been like totally, totally screwed. Probably it would have had been interesting to recover that whole situation. If I uh, didn't have my friend there, I mean, thank goodness, uh, we, he was able to, uh, actually took a day off from work. We drove to Bern, which is the capital, get a new passport for me. And I ended up spending an extra two days in Switzerland, which isn't the worst thing in the world. Um, Switzerland was great. Uh, Bern was a very beautiful city. So I'm glad I had the opportunity to visit there, even though it wasn't on the original plan. But, uh, but again, the whole thing just worked out. I, I you know, and uh, the experiences there were just, in, just invaluable. I mean, uh, Germany and Switzerland were way different than what I expected. I, I also, you know, didn't even expect them to be that green in the middle of the winter. Um, I just kind of thought there were going to be snowy and cold and it was cold. It was kind of gray at times. Uh, we had some, there were some sunny days, uh, palm trees filled Switzerland. Yes. Palm trees. Um, that, that kind of, I just did not expect to see palm trees in Switzerland, but you know, again, just, uh, got to experience the people, the sights, the beauty, uh, just absolutely gorgeous in Switzerland. Uh, Germany was really nice too. So, um, had some great experiences there. So, you know, I would encourage you, you know, grab at opportunities to experience and, you know, have a little faith that things are going to work out because, um, you don't have to have everything all put together all the time. And I will use that same analogy towards even, you know, running races. You know, we've talked about, Hey, just, just jump in, you know, sign up and go do the race. Sometimes you have to have faith. Things will work out. Your training is good enough. So, um, I, I did the same thing when I took this trip to Boston for the frozen four, um, you know, I had actually made my plane reservations even before the regional. Uh, I was, I had faith that DU was going to University of Denver was going to win the two games in the regional to advance to the Frozen Four. Um, 
I mean, admittedly, that wasn't a big risk because I, I used miles again, and I, I would have been able to just revert, uh, reverse that very easily. But um, then when it came true that the University of Denver did win the regional and they were going to the Frozen Four and we were going to Boston, all of a sudden I discovered the hotel rooms there were like 450 to $600 a night. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I could definitely take that money out of savings, but it just, it kind of went against my better sensibilities to basically spend for four nights, uh, basically what, what is a mortgage payment, a monthly mortgage payment for me. So that part just didn't make any sense to me at all. So uh, for I really wrestled over this in my mind. I talked to a couple friends and tried to figure out, should I make this trip? I mean, is it really worth spending this kind of money? And then I, you know, figured out that, you know what? I could go stay in a cheap hotel in the suburbs and I could Uber back and forth. It wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. And that's exactly what I did. I found a, a Red Roof Inn. In, I mean, you know, most people think, oh my God, the Red Roof Inn. It was actually pretty nice. It, I mean, this place had everything I really needed. It had a really comfortable bed. It was very quiet and um, it was clean and the, had a great shower actually. Uh, you know, just everything was really good about it. And it was in a place called Woburn, I, as I heard. I, I was pronouncing it Woburn, but it, I guess in New England parlance, it's Woburn, uh, just north of Boston. And I, I took Ubers back and forth. Every day I got to meet a different Uber driver from some foreign country, which also was fascinating as hell. I had drivers from Haiti, the Dominican Republic. Um, I had a Russian driver one day, a Russian woman. Um, you know, we, we had some, all of us, we had uh, Brazilians, a couple of those. I had some great conversations with these people. And, you know, so I, I spent $25 each way on Ubers and that was far and away a, a huge savings over what I would have paid for one of those downtown hotels, which I saw one of those hotel rooms that my friend, I had a friend staying in and it was, I mean, the room wasn't even much bigger than the bed itself, but that's all another story. So, but the thing is it all worked out and it was a great experience. I mean, it was just absolutely thrilling. Um, you, and I'm sure a lot of people are getting sick of hearing me talk about it. University of Denver, you know, won the national championship in the semifinal game. They beat Michigan three to two in overtime. Um, they were getting outplayed in the overtime, but got the winning goal. And, um, you know, everybody in Boston was like anybody, but Michigan, nobody wanted to see Michigan win. And then, um, so, so that worked out. And then in the final game, uh, D was playing the two worst periods of their entire season, the first two periods. And we were just wondering, why now? Why are you playing so bad? And badly. And they were down one to nothing after two periods. And then all of a sudden, the third period, they just absolutely lit it up, turned it around. Their goals just kept coming. They ended up winning five to one, winning the national championship. Uh, just, I mean, I was so glad I was there. It was such a thrill to experience all that. We stayed up with the team until four in the morning partying, which probably explains why uh, I, I'm still talking the way I am now, but totally worth it. Um, but again, I just had to have a little faith that, you know, this whole trip was going to work out and it did. And, you know, that's kind of been my uh, attitude. You know, I talked about people who maybe haven't gotten to enjoy some of the, uh, some of the fruits of their labors through their lives, if you would. And so I'm going to experience, um, I, I, I try to add to all the experiences I can. I don't turn down opportunities to go meet people whenever it fits into my schedule. Um, I will talk before groups. Um, I, I will, you know, do whatever where I'm out there and meeting people and learning. And, you know, just like I say, gaining from, you know, the more you, you're just richer from gaining from everybody else and from all these experiences. I've got a couple of other uh, great trips in the offing coming up here. And, um, yeah, I'm going to go, uh, try to experience as much as I can in races and, um, running on trails and whatever I can. So, um, 
And, you know, at my age, I keep getting injured. I keep having setbacks. I mean, I can't believe how many I've had even the last month or two here, everything from, uh, you know, getting COVID back in January to uh, coming up with some other mystery injuries to get, coming down with this cold. I mean, but you know what? I'm, I'm just going to keep plowing forward and I'm going to try to experience a finish at the Leadville 100 in August. And, um, you know, to me, that's that's kind of my attitude, and uh, you just have to have faith. Things are going to work out. You, um, you know, in 2019, when I ran Leadville, I knew I was very unlikely I was going to finish. I had so many things wrong with my feet. I went out there with the attitude I was just going to have the best time I possibly could and experience Leadville because, I mean, the experience in Leadville is just so special all the time. And um, if I'm ready to finish the race this year, great. If I'm not, I'm just going to go up there. I'm going to run it. I'm going to have a great time and just, uh, you know, experience everything I can. So um, that's kind of my bottom line message here today is that, uh, you know, show, ha- have some faith. Things will work out if you go ahead and put yourself out there to experience. Uh, there's so many things to experience out there. Go out and, and do it. So um, just a couple reminders here before I sign off here today. One, of course, is I, I mentioned earlier that in get David Clark tradition, I'm looking for 10 men for a life group that will be spearheaded by Gary Stotler and me. And we're going to focus on fostering better mental health and emotional health spaces for men, whether they're recovering from addiction, alcohol abuse, eating dysfunction, or dealing with divorce, relationship issues, family, business, and financial concerns, everyday pressures, whatever it is. We'll find a pathway to success through better motivation and self-discipline, journaling, fitness, and more. Uh, We're going to have a positive and encouraging Facebook group, Zoom calls, face-to-face retreat-style meetups, and more with the option for one-on-one meetings with Gary and me. As David once said, I'm not a bad person because of the past. I am a good person because I have the courage to leave it behind. This is a great opportunity for any man looking for a supportive space with like-minded men who want to leave behind the regrets they have and the hurt they may have caused to others and themselves and focus instead on setting positive goals, making it more, making more of a positive impact on others, and being the man they always hope to be. So drop me a line today if you'd like to be part of this journey and get on the positive trajectory you always knew you had in you, as well as, well as help others achieve theirs too, and I'll give you more details. Um, I also mentioned the last episode that I'm going to be taking up a couple of David's um, initiatives. One of them is um, he always had this dream of running the bases in a major league stadium to raise awareness and funds for the opioid crisis. And, um, uh, you know, you hear more and more about fentanyl these days. It's become a really big focus with the legislature here in, in Colorado. And I know all around the country, it's getting more attention, even from the uh, Biden administration. So, um as I mentioned, David had this dream. I've talked to the owner of the Colorado Rockies baseball team about me doing this, um, getting out there and running uh, running the bases at Coors Field. And um, we're, we're going to raise funds. We're going to you know, raise some for Addict to Athlete, uh, the great group we partner with out in, in Utah, but also uh, you know any other groups. So if you can send me any groups that you know of that are out there fighting against opioids, uh, we would like to be able to support some worthy groups as well. And um, we, we are also, I want to make this a virtual challenge. I want people all around the country to be able to raise funds by doing a virtual run around the bases, their local little league park, baseball, you know, baseball park, uh, playground, schoolyard, whatever, and um, be able to take pledges and go ahead and run the bases themselves and go ahead and help out with this cause as well. So 
Um, somebody can help me out with that. That would be greatly appreciated because uh, that, that's a big piece that will need to be set up as part of this. So uh, please get in touch with me if you can help out with that, and I will give you more details about when we're going to be doing this uh, whole run around the bases at, at Coors Field, hopefully. Um, hopefully I can get the Colorado Rockies permission to go ahead and do this, and it, it will be a great event. So um, let me know about that. So thank you once again for listening to the We Are Superman podcast, and make sure you subscribe so you can load all new episodes onto your phone. If you enjoyed the podcast, the best thing you can do is share it with your friends or on social media, and please take a minute and give us a five-star rating, and I would be humbly honored if you would write a review as well. These five-star ratings and reviews help us make more episodes and rise higher in the podcast services search algorithms, helping more people find our show. Until next time, always be positive. <laughs>